0: In the Christian bubble. It is now time for the Cultured Christian Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is sponsored by, well, no one, because we're still small, but someday, hopefully, by companies like Apple and Amazon.
1: Talk to the pastor before he gets to that point. But the other reason I would say that is because If you're leaving for a reason that you're not comfortable talking with your pastor about, that's a pretty good sign you're not leaving for a good reason. And how can I grow if there's never anybody else that's challenging me and pushing me out of my comfort zone?
0: Welcome to episode 12 of the Cultured Christian Podcast. As usual, I'm so glad that you're listening today, and we have another interview episode, if you couldn't tell there from the drops, we are interviewing another person and before I kind of introduce him, I just want to remind you why we do interviews. I mean, on a very basic level, I think for me, these interview episodes are nothing more than me introducing you to some of the great people that I've met throughout my lifetime. I mean, it's just neat when I think of literally across the country, the different places I've lived, the different people that I've met with so many different backgrounds and different gifts and talents and books they've written and books they've read and things that they've experienced. And so on a very, you know, again, basic level, I'm just introducing you to my friends. And that is what I have the honor to do each time that we do an interview. And obviously, Whenever you bring someone in it expands our minds it brings in another perspective uh, experiences and vocations that maybe you or I haven't been able to have exposure to and so I would love to interview you or someone you know love to expand kind of the interview uh, audience or pool if you will. And so if you're ever interested in being interviewed or you think you know someone who should be on this podcast, again, kind of falling into culture, technology, or faith, one of those three buckets, uh, why don't you send me an email at culturedchristians at gmail.com, and we'd love to start that conversation. Speaking of conversations, today I am talking with Todd Stevens, who well, you may recognize that last name because back in episode seven, we interviewed his wife. So now we've got a couple uh, that has been interviewed on the Cultured Christian podcast separately. And this is also our first pastor that we're introducing or interviewing on this podcast. So that is awesome. And before we dive in, I just want to make a note about the sound quality. All of us are going through this COVID era, and unfortunately, this interview has a few uh, sound quality issues, but I still felt like it was good enough to share with you, but I just wanted to apologize on the front end because we are basically doing this interview via cell phone hotspot, so there is some (laughs) moments where you'll hear the internet drop more so than our other episodes, so I just apologize in advance for that, and you can blame Corona. That's just kind of how these podcast interviews are going these days. And here we go. We have got Todd Stevens on the phone here, on the line, a Zoom call. He is the pastor of MTV Church Church in Mississippi. How are you doing, Todd? I'm doing great. Kurt, how are you? I'm doing fantastic in light of uh, all the crazy things going on in our world today. And in Michigan, it is raining cats and dogs. It's like a monsoon out there today. Oh, my. so uh not not as nice down in mississippi but uh i was super excited when i wrote mississippi i remembered how to spell it again because that takes me all the way back to high school the whole mississippi song thing absolutely
1: that's impressive that you still remember that
0: Yeah, it's one of the few things I remember from high school. But uh but yeah, thanks for taking the time to do this interview today. You are officially the first pastor. So if I had a trophy, I would send that to you with First Pastor on Podcast. So feel uh, feel the love. Once we get big enough to be able to give trophies out, you will get a trophy, okay? I can say I knew you way back when. <laughs> yeah so um, so we're gonna dive in today and we definitely have a topic that we want to get to but as we start things out I always like doing a little bit of background because when I've listened to interviews in the past I hate listening to interviews and hearing from some speaker that I literally know nothing about and there's a lot of people in our audience who haven't had the honor that I have to get to know you get to know your wife um, so tell us a little bit about your background Obviously, or maybe not obviously, um, you're connected with Erin, who's your spouse, your wife, and she's important to the audience because for those of us who have listened to the show before, she was my interviewee in episode seven, where uh, she talks about ministering in a strip club. So we're already learning a little bit about you today, Todd, in the fact that you married a woman who was ministering to strippers. Like, What kind of pastor, husband, (laughs) wife... Go to strip clubs like little little crazy there so so share us some of your background your you know about your family, your life, just whatever you feel comfortable sharing to start for about.
1: sure. Yeah, we definitely want to keep that straight that she is the one that goes to strip clubs, I do not. We don't want to get confused about that. And
0: <laughs> and it's important she doesn't work or never has worked at a strip club. That was an important distinction when I first met her cuz mm-hmm. someone we we both worked together in a short season there and I remember someone saying that she worked at a strip club and that's a lot a lot different phrase than ministering to women at strip clubs so for
1: sure yeah at times people have asked me where we met and i'm like have you read our book and just kind of want to make them think a little bit you know uh about (laughs) well what in the world that must mean but yeah so ministry i guess in a way is a second career for me Uh, coming out of college i was um, in information technology and uh, electronic commerce specifically was kind of my niche And so I worked for a textile company and then some software companies and then ultimately for Adidas, uh, the shoe Mm -hmm. company, for I guess about seven or eight years. And it was in that period of time that I realized I was being called into ministry. So I started uh, going to seminary part-time while I was still working full-time, and we began having uh, kids there as well, Um, and ultimately coming out of that we started a new church and that started us in in that realm Uh, as far as our family though to not skip past that we do have three boys and we have just finished our birthday season so their ages are 20 17 and 14 they're kind of at nice three-year intervals Um, elijah daniel and levi or if you can't remember you can just go with shadrach meshach and abednego if that's easier to remember (laughs) that works for me
0: Yeah, that makes it that makes it easy to remember. And you guys all all always look like you're having fun there on the Facebook. So I love seeing love seeing that stuff.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Aaron's really
0: good about posting
1: stuff. I'm always trying to think of things to post. And then I'm like, Oh, I guess I should have posted all 10 of the things that you posted because <laughs> I didn't think about any of it.
0: Yeah, you do you do get a few in there, though. Or maybe it was Aaron, but I remember seeing you at I love... I love that you're also a big fan of culture and technology yourself. Like you said, you have IT in your background, but I love seeing the photos of you and your boys watching like uh, the premiere of a Marvel movie. You know, I know you guys are big into that and just you're constantly doing stuff with your sons. So that's really awesome.
1: For sure. Yeah. Our our Netflix queue stays uh, <laughs> well stocked, I guess you would say. Yeah.
0: Yeah, all of us today with the uh, quarantine, but I think Netflix is seeing their streaming numbers unlike any other time in history.
1: I wish I had bought stock in Netflix, Lysol, and uh, Purell Purell or something. Yeah, maybe a toilet (laughs) paper company in there
0: too. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we'd be be in a lot different place financially, but um, I want to jump back just to kind of understand, and this is also a good segue. So you said that you went to seminary part time. And then you started a church. So you literally went from uh, seminary to leading a church. Is that, did I hear that right? Like you started a church right after seminary? That's right.
1: In seminary is where I learned about church planting, starting new churches. Prior to that, the only way I knew that new churches got started was people got mad and left. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> know there was like a healthy strategic way to do it. Right. Uh, so yeah, just... Learned kind of the strategy and the process for reaching new people in the community by starting new churches. And so that was our very first venture, straight out of seminary, was starting this new church.
0: Nice. And that was in Nashville, right? In the Tennessee area? Correct.
1: Yeah, suburb of Nashville on the east side.
0: Yeah. And that's one thing I really respect about you, Todd, is you and I share a similar thing on our resume that. You haven't been at a lot of churches, a lot of guys in ministry jump, you know, one year here, five years here, two years here, like, how many churches have you worked at on a pastoral level?
1: I've worked at three. And I was thinking the other day, I guess I'm doing it wrong, because (laughs) most people, you know, climb the ladder and go to bigger and bigger churches. And I keep going to smaller churches. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll grow it and then go to a smaller one uh but yeah so i'm i'm at the, my third church now and and hopefully the last one if uh, if i have my way about it
0: right well as we're going to get into you know there there are pros to pros and cons to small versus large versus medium as i'm sure you you know we could go on a, a whole another episode about different size churches and the different types of leadership skills that you need to lead those different sizes and staff and all those different things that come with those sizes i'm sure some of that'll come out in some of our Um, discussion today. Um, So yeah, so you've worked at three churches. I've worked at three churches uh, as a youth pastor, and um, so yeah, so we're going to kind of come at this topic today from that perspective, and I wanted us to launch with a little bit of a thesis kind of at the beginning that you and I are in agreement on, maybe share some Bible verses, and then we'll just jump into discussing it, but I wanted to start with this kind of working definition, if you will, or thesis that we believe church should be a place, a life-giving place, and yet for many, the experience has been exactly the opposite. So you got into this thing, you started a church, you had a hope, you had a dream, you had an idea, right, that we both got from seminary that the church is an an important institution, and it's supposed to be life-giving. It's supposed to help people and encourage people and motivate people and be a a positive thing that they look forward to in their life. And yet, we see that for many, it's often the opposite. It it wounds people, and that's kind of our title today, When Churches Wound People. And so let's go through kind of some of our verses. I'll, I'll throw out a couple, give you a second to think of your you know I know you have some you know verses that you jump to when you think about church, but obviously i I always go to Jesus' words in John ten ten He says, "I have come that they may have life and have it to the full." you know Jesus was about bringing life about bringing hope, about bringing you know something to look forward to in people's lives. He didn't lives he didn't come to bring religion or um guilt or make them feel terrible. he wanted to bring to bring life and then you have uh hebrews 10 24 you know don't give up meeting together right which is a verse a lot of churches are using right now to remain open open. we've got to stay open in this quarantine um but again the idea there that he's the the author saying is like we need to be together we need to be in proximity we need to have relationships so what that we can stir one another up to do love and good deeds like this church thing is important. It's important for people to be meeting together. What uh, what verses for you stand out when you think about the church or this idea that the church should be a life-giving place?
1: Yeah, right along the lines of what you're saying there, John 13, 34, and 35 comes to mind, where Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as mm. I have loved you, you must love one another by this. Everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So he's saying, this is the defining characteristic. This is how they'll know you're following me is that you're loving Uh, all the other stuff. Secondary. This is the definition of what it means to follow me.
0: That's good. Yeah. That's not, that's not really uh, confusing. That's pretty dang clear. Right. (laughs) what he said and and yeah kind of the last passage i'll share which to me is also pretty clear even though it's a metaphor is in first corinthians 12 paul talks about he uses a metaphor of the church being the body of christ right Mm -hmm. the body of christ is what the church is supposed to be and you and i are parts of that body each of us have different gifts each of us come from different ethnicities and backgrounds and all these different experiences when we come together we are the body of christ we should look like and act like and function much like jesus did and the idea there is that we're incomplete without you. If a part of our body comes off, gross, right? We're, we're just some, you know, gobbled mess of, of pieces that aren't functioning well. Uh, there's something wrong there. There's something again. And that's why I love that metaphor that we are uh, parts of a body and every part is significant. Whether you're a finger, a mouth, an eye, there's all sorts of different functions and uh, we all come together to represent Christ. So I love that. I love that metaphor from Scripture.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more.
0: Okay, so one of the things we did to kind of, it was your idea, and I loved it, Todd, of bringing in other people. So we asked our audiences, you know, you put it out on your Facebook, we asked our listeners, and wanted to get kind of a response to prime the pump with some real life stories. Because a lot of times, you know, podcasts, feel like a one-way conversation. And I understand that. You're listening in your car, you're jogging, you're on a bike ride, whatever, you're walking the dog. Um, It can feel one way. And so whenever I can, we want to engage the audience. We want you, the listener, to be able to interact. And so we did that this time. And man, we got a huge response, specifically on your Facebook, of just sad and, and heartbreaking and tough and challenging stories of people getting... Uh, wounded by uh attending a church, and so I want to share a couple just from my sphere of influence and then i 'd love for you to share a few that popped up there for you on your facebook um, i I thought back to a friend of mine wanting to be on the worship team or was a part of the worship team uh being told that they were too fat to be uh on the worship team, you know something that was again not related to the gifting or the singing or even showing up at the practices or following. It was truly just an image thing, that they weren't representing God well as a, a weight thing. I, I heard think the exact of,
1: same thing from somebody who was told they were too old for the worship team, and I think they were like 40.
0: <laughs> wow, yeah. wow okay yeah and i was thinking yeah as we get into this i mean there's going to be so many common themes right because it just across the country across all these churches there are similar things that people will be able to relate to um i thought of my own sister you know my myself and my sister we grew up in a non-churched home my dad and mom weren't christians they divorced when i was seven and we were introduced to christianity to this idea of jesus through my mom's mother my grandmother invited my sister and i to i affectionately now in quotes call it an old school baptist church you know king james only they had a banjo uh uh you always had to wear a tie i mean it was just as old school as you could you could get the pews with the purple carpet and yeah the yelling pastor the whole thing and um my sister and i grew up in that environment she's seven years older than me eight years older than me and she had a bad experience through uh through i think the youth group or through some of the teens that were there and she stopped attending and never came back i mean like she's in the middle of her life now and has never looked back never wanted had a desire to uh, attend church or do do the church thing like that's how turned off she was And I think even my dad, kind of my last story just from family stuff, is my dad attends a church uh, in Florida where he lives down there. And, you know, he's kind of checking it out, kind of been there a few years and, um, you know, gets uncomfortable at different parts of the service. And one week he called me or we were just talking and they asked them, and I'm sorry, Todd, if you've ever done this, but this is what happened at his church but (laughs) the pastor uh, asked everybody to hug each other even if you didn't know the person next to you so imagine my dad just standing there hugging a stranger so they had this whole like awkward hugging moment and literally took him weeks to go back like he did not want to go back to uh to that experience and so again maybe a little lighthearted there compared to some of the things we're going to talk about but still you know, that's not life-giving to my dad. That wasn't life-giving to my sister and to this friend who, you know, couldn't sing on the worship team. These are all examples of people being pushed off, pushed away from wanting to be a part of this, this church thing. So what were some of the, uh, share some of the stories that you heard? Well, first I just got to
1: say that somehow once I heard King James only and a banjo, I was like, this is not going to end well. I wasn't shocked that it ended with a bad experience.
0: You mean you Um, don't play, you don't mess around with the banjo there at MTV? uh,
1: That's a, that's more (laughs) of a Wednesday night kind of a thing. We'll say, no. (laughs) Um, Nice. I, yeah. So I posted on Facebook, you know, have you been hurt by church? And just kind of said, fill in the blank. When church is blank, people get hurt and got, um, I think over 140 comments when it was all said and done. Mm. And so as I looked through them, some, themes started emerging, like you said, and the top three that stood out, the the first two are almost diametrically opposed. The first one was when churches don't love their own wounded people. Well, Mm. it seemed like that was a, an outgrowth of a very outward focused church that was very focused on reaching new people, connecting with the community, but not focused on taking care of the people that were there and hurting so they're great at loving others not so great at loving their own and then the other one that i heard a lot was too many clicks, which would seem to be the the result of a very inward focused church right not you know turned outward Uh, and then the other thing that i saw emerge that would kind of probably tend to exist in more of the click oriented church was people getting hurt because there wasn't a space for them to wrestle with their faith there wasn't Mm. a safe space to ask real questions and express doubts and kind of work through some of that and they sort of got ostracized and you know you either line up with what we believe and how we believe it um or you move on but there wasn't any any gray area for anybody to work through anything
0: right well can you share a few like actual comments and maybe get into a few of these people's uh stories
1: yeah, so I mean, just picking up that that last one, I heard from a really good friend whose uh, daughter was off at school, and you know, grew up in the faith, has a lot of of head knowledge, a lot of the information as far as answering those kinds of questions. But now she's at a point in her life where, how does this connect with reality? You, you know, how do I make this work in real life? And when she started asking questions, um, they they didn't know how to handle that. I suspect that a lot of times it's because the people that are leading these types of groups haven't worked through their own doubts. (laughs) So the only way they know to deal with questions is to shut them down. Um, Because it seems like a lot of the times in our churches and in our parachurch ministries, the people who have the most knowledge and tend to be the leaders tend to be more debate oriented. Right. where <laughs> i'll you know i can argue my point and i can prove my point and i can shout you down but i can't listen to you empathetically and yeah. meet you where you are and work through your questions and that's what we got to get better at doing because it's probably happened i've never known anybody that got like argued and debated into the kingdom <laughs> right. you know i've never known anybody that lost an argument and they're like oh you win i'm a christian now um But I've known lots of people that got loved into the kingdom because Mm. somebody did listen to them. Somebody did serve them and uh, was sacrificial toward them. So I think we've got to work through our own doubts to where we can create these environments where people can be authentic and can be transparent and can feel safe because we are that way.
0: Well, that makes me think of that verse, you know, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And Mm. I think that... Wouldn't you agree that this is also a unique thing here in America? I mean, this is still we we're still dealing with in most I'd say older churches, but to some degree even our churches, you know, an Americanized Christianity that every every question has an answer. You know, there's no mystery anymore. It's just here's the five steps: jump through these hoops, get baptized, do this class, do this thing. And I find a lot of people, I've watched people go through those, they jump through all the hoops, they answer all the questions. And then there's almost like, okay, I'm 36. I've done all that. Now what? Like, it's almost like the adventure's done because we've set up this, you know, this, this course, if you will, of Christianity that people go through. And there's, nothing left to learn really i've read the book of revelation i've read genesis through revelation i went to the class i did you know and so then you do become mentally superior to the noobs the new people walk in and they're like well i don't understand this noah flood thing and it's like yeah then this guy comes up and just just like vomits all this stuff on someone i've seen it happen in small groups that i've led and you're just staring at this poor person who has just vomited all this um you know, data, and they're just like, well, gee, thanks, but I haven't done, you haven't taught them how to do the math. You haven't taught them how to figure it out for themselves, or maybe God doesn't want them to focus on Noah's Ark in this season of their life. God's over here working on this, but you, because of your pride, I would say, use the word doubts, working on your doubts. But I think people in those positions, when they're just spewing out data, it's a pride issue. I think it's about them being seen as this religious person. I know all the answers and it's an, uh, you know, above somebody else kind of position. And I think that to your point uh, hurts a lot of people more than it helps them because then people feel like, well, if I'm an idiot, I shouldn't go back to that small group. I shouldn't be there because no one wants to be made to feel like an idiot. Right.
1: Right. For sure. And you're right. That, mentality of having all the answers that comes from a place of pride and probably insecurity where they want to appear smarter than they are or smarter than everybody else Um, and i think it stems from really a skewed view of discipleship where Mm -hmm. we think discipleship is all about information you know, right. and, and if I do another Beth Moore study and I read, you know, a John MacArthur book, then I, by definition, I have grown, I've made progress mm-hmm. and I'm further down the road, and maybe not, you know, maybe right. you're just a better Pharisee or something. Uh, and we view growth in this real linear, uh, from this linear perspective, uh, that it just moves in one direction. And, and so yeah, we've got to figure out better ways to let people move um, at their own pace and in their own direction towards these biblical truths uh, by asking their questions rather than yeah. force feeding them. Here's the here's the valid questions. Here's the legitimate questions. Let right. them ask the questions that they have and uh, and meet them there.
0: Yeah, and so much of it is just, I was going to go there and you kind of said it, is that we put an artificial timeline you know we we want it to be a seven week class or you know confirmation or whatever fill in the blank we put in a timeline that god didn't put in there's there's not a timeline there you know like god's okay with it being a few years of working through the ups and downs so that the person is actually there themselves they're not there for you they're not there putting on a mask If they do the work themselves, if they go along with the Holy Spirit's leading and in through different circumstances of their life, then they're that solidly rooted tree that when the storms of life come, right, their faith isn't just going to be just blown away because they answered all the questions right or they made the class leader or the pastor uh, feel good about, you know, whatever question they answered. But I think, yeah, the patience, the ability of a pastor or a Christian leader to develop a skill of listening and being patient with the people who attend is so, so critical. Wouldn't you agree that we have to be, if we're not patient, if we're not willing to go and play the long game, we probably shouldn't be in ministry.
1: Uh, Yeah, I do agree. And it occurs to me as you say that, that I think the issue goes both ways in terms of both the attenders and the the, the ministry leaders mm. in terms of feeding into this problem because the goal of discipleship should be life change. Right. But too often when we visit a new church, you know, and we're looking to to find our church home, what we're looking for is a church that has all the same rules that we have, mm. you know. Maybe it's King James only. Maybe it's, you know, um, I'm footloose and we don't dance. Uh, I don't smoke. I don't chew. I don't go with girls who do, you know, whatever it might be that I'm not looking to be challenged. I'm looking for an environment where I fit just as I am, and I'm not going to have to change. And churches on the other hand feed into that you know where we try to present this uh this storefront where we show you around the shop and you know here's kind of what we have to offer you in terms of programming and all these things and so we treat church like a commodity too and uh rather than hey here's an environment where it's safe you can explore you can be challenged and you can grow uh
0: rather than just be comfortable that's good yeah um so let's jump into another kind of angle another question here. So, you know, no doubt some some people listening to this podcast may be frustrated with something going on right now at their church and they may be thinking of leaving. This this might be a really timely discussion where they're like, "You know what? I'm I'm done. I'm ready to leave. We're counting the days like What advice would you have for someone who's thinking of leaving a church and kind of second to that, related to that, what situations would you say as a pastor are appropriate reasons to leave? Like, is there a time? What would those appropriate reasons be to leave?
1: Mm, Let me answer the second one a little bit first, if I can. Yeah. I would say most of the reasons... (laughs) I, I'm not a rule guy, so <laughs> uh, I'm, not I'm putting you box. in a box. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Kurt. Uh, <laughs> I would say most of the reasons are obvious in terms of you know if I'm moving or if I married someone and we're at different churches, one of us is going to have to leave. it A lot of reasons you don't even have to ask. Hey, is this yeah. okay? But what I would say really should happen before, and I realize this is coming from a guy in a pastor seat, but Talk to your pastor before you decide Mm. to leave. The reason I say it that way is because, one, the handful of conversations, and it's only been a few, uh, of the people who have left uh, churches that I've been leading, that they had before they left, they had already made their mind up. And that's yeah. really what the conversation was. There might've been a question in there, but if I answered the question or clarified the confusion, it really didn't matter. It was kind of like, no. well, we've already decided we're going to leave anyway. So thanks for you know telling us it was a misunderstanding, but <laughs> we're going to still leave. So right. talk to the pastor before it gets to that point. But the other reason I would say that is because if you're leaving for a reason that you're not comfortable talking with your pastor about, that's a pretty good sign you're not leaving for a good reason.
0: If i like that
1: if you're leaving because you know mary joe hurt your feelings because she gave somebody else a pecan pie and didn't give you one or whatever you know i don't know there's a thousand things that you've heard well, i don't like pecans, the churches so i wouldn't <laughs> <like that. laughs> well then you could just leave our church we, we're pecan pie people kirk oh um, gosh but you know if you can't talk to the pastor about it, that yeah. should be a red flag in your brain to be like okay wait a minute is this yeah. is this legit or am i just being selfish here
0: that's very very revealing question and and with that what if someone so i hear someone saying like screaming at their their um speaker right now what if their pastor is unwilling or unavailable to meet with them you know a lot of these guys nowadays they know they smell that somebody's going to come and complain or they got some gripe and they just i'm busy or they go through they hide behind their secretary or you know whatever they do they play some games What would you say to someone who's again fairly connected, likes the church otherwise, but for some reason has an issue? You're saying from a pastor level, Hey, come to me, talk to me. But what if they're in a church where the guy's just too busy, legitimately has too much going on, or is avoiding the people? You know, if a person can't,
1: is in a position where they can't follow that leader or that leadership team, then that sounds like a really good reason to disconnect and reconnect somewhere else. At the same time, I'll say this, especially with all the technology, we've just kind of proven it with the coronavirus. Mm. There is no excuse and no reason why pastor can't be available sometime. You know, uh, they don't, shouldn't need too much notice. And uh, pastors are busy and, and all that stuff. But Yeah. If somebody's not making time, it's not that they can't, it's that they won't. And so that says Mm -hmm. a lot about that, that pastor.
0: Yeah. So I noticed, and I'm maybe stepping one level deeper here, you know, you didn't, you didn't really get into specific situations. And I understand as the the rules thing, right? Like there's, there's kind of this idea with certain sins or, you know, if the pastor's involved in whatever kind of relationships, I mean, so you're just going to leave it at, you know, if it's obvious, those sort of issues, you kind of know, like, you know, in those situations, because I hear that. And I think, I look back over my life, and I'm like, it surely wasn't obvious to a handful of people, like there was still hundreds of people that were cool. They either didn't know what was going on in leadership, or what was going on over here and being covered up. And yet, they continued to stay, it seemed like it was either not obvious, or they were in on it, you know, and i think that's that click thing right there's sometimes people in on something cuz they're friends with so and so or they're in the group of power i i don't know is there anything more you want to say to that
1: yeah that's a really good question to for me to clarify where i'm coming from because going back to what you said uh you know the church is the gathering i mean the greek word is ekklesia that it's 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 not even a religious word it's citizens gathered it's a group of people gathered for some specific purpose so uh, if if I leave because someone did something, the pastor sinned or whatever it might be, that may or may not be a valid reason to disconnect. Because again, I want to make sure that I'm not treating the church like a commodity. Yeah. You know, uh, I want to make sure because this is a group that I am connected with. There's relationships and I'm part of this mission, this purpose. For sure, I would say you don't want to disconnect from church altogether, which happens all too often. That's like if I, you know, get bad service at a Mexican restaurant or they make me mad, I swear off quesadillas for life or something. That doesn't make sense. You know, go find someone else that's got a good queso dip. Uh, (laughs) But so when I say the the reasons are obvious, it would be like because I'm moving away or the drive has become too far or the mission has changed. But yeah issues of 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 sin and leadership that gets a little fuzzy it it could be it it may not be it sort of depends on how it's handled i would say and you know people just have to sort of seek god and pray through that because um because god might leave some people one direction and some people another direction in the same situation
0: right and his desire god's desire i think i can firmly stand on scripture and say this god's desire is always unity god's desire is you know, Satan's the one to come to seek, kill, and destroy, and divide, you know, that that's the enemy's goal is for us to be divided. Um, we're seeing that in our politics, in our country right now. I mean, there's, you know, a house divided cannot stand, you know, this is God's goal, God's hope with the church is that we would be unified, we would be communities of gathered people who agree on some things, and, and the things we disagree on, we still you know, lock arms and eat pecan pie together. You know, even it's not a hundred percent agreement. It's a hundred percent. You know, we're together. You belong before you agree to all maybe. You know, four hundred things that we have on our church's um, website that says you know our belief statement or whatever. I think that's um, that's key.
1: Absolutely, and you know, going back to what you said at the very beginning, the analogy that gets used in the New Testament is the church is a body, and so even though you're not part of the local body, you and they are still part of the body, and so we do have to have unity, so if and when you do leave a church, don't leave with, you know, a flamethrower, and just, I'm going to burn the place to the ground with my words, and I'm going to post, the passive aggressive thing on Facebook where I'm talking about them without saying I'm talking about them and all that garbage, you know, you want to leave with kindness and, and promoting unity even as you choose to disconnect and reconnect somewhere else. That's good.
0: Uh, another question here, so what would you say to the listener okay there 's somebody listening right now, and they 're just like nope i 'm still unwilling. I tried that when I was eleven, and I went to this youth group or I was in catechism at the the Catholic Church, and you know i 'm willing to listen to this podcast and kind of dabble into Christianity again, but i 'm just not ready to uh, attend a church, and so how and why would you motivate them to attend church? assuming you would. And then kind of nested to that is the deeper question, which is, do you believe a Christ follower can, do you believe that you can be a Christ follower and ultimately not attend a church? Like that's, wow. Like, do you, uh what do you think on those? I would say that no,
1: long-term, I don't think you can be a Christ follower. And I love that you said that word, Christ follower and not be part of a church. That's sort of like saying, I am a non-serving Christian. That's a mm. contradictory term. <laughs> you yeah. know? How, can you, how can you say you are following someone who came to serve That's and to good. give his life as a ransom for many and say, but I'm going to be defiant? <laughs> right. It doesn't make sense. So to follow Christ means to come from a place of surrender. You know, so rather than puffing myself up and it's gonna be about my rights, I'm gonna be submitting. And I don't know logically how you can do most of the one another's all by yourself. You know, unless you have multiple personalities or something like that. (laughs) I don't know that it's possible to obey so many things if I'm not putting myself in a situation to where I'm around other people. And how can I grow if there's never anybody else that's challenging me and pushing me out of my comfort zone? You know, mm. I'm just, I'm building my own little, my own little kingdom. Uh, you know, again, I, th- these, these are my rules. I didn't find a church that likes all my rules. So I am now my own church. Well, that's, right. that's not a church. That's you're, you're not, you're not a gathering, you know, it comes back to the word. We're trying to redefine it. So how can you be part of, of the gathering? all by yourself. You can't.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good. And the only thing I would add there to say is back to what we said originally, make sure you hear what we said about the discipleship not having a timeline. That also applies here, you know, that maybe there is a season where people are at home and they're doing, you know, church online or they're watching Joel Osteen or, you know, Stephen Furtick or whatever, you know, there can be a season. Would you agree that we can you know, be in between, if you will. But as long as we're still in the word, we're still praying, all those things should ultimately be like rivers leading back to, you know, coming together, like from the source, we're going to, we're going to eventually come back to this place of like, no, no, you're right. Scripture does say these things. We do need to get back to the body and not be the separate uh, body part that's just out here alone.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's why I would Said long term, you know that you yeah. you don't want to do that long term because there are going to be, you know, these transitional seasons and things for sure. And with technology and and TV and radio and all the uh, ways that we have at our disposal to uh, connect with content that can help us grow spiritually, it's very easy to fall into that. We just yeah. again want to make sure we don't begin to approach it as a consumer where I'm just getting things for me rather than I'm actually growing and so I'm finding how do I pass this on to others how do I how do I get to where I'm loving others and serving others and and uh, comforting others that's
0: good yeah and I think that that's you know that would be maybe our motivation to somebody who's been wounded you know we would we would both be, and, and I think that goes back to the vision of this podcast. You know, I think some could kind of wrongly see this podcast as we're anti-church or you know, we're kind of uh, creating a space for people just to consume culture and not ever be a part of church. But if you've listened to this uh, for any length of time, you actually see that we're very pro-church. We want you to be in a healthy gathering. We want you to be in a place where you can be known, loved, and cared for. Um, And so that's where if you are that person sitting here listening tonight or wherever you're at, whatever time of day it is, and you're just like, "Eh, I'm not not comfortable right now setting foot uh, in a church, you know, I would motivate them first to pray about it, you know, to seek the Lord and to really put it before him. um, Because I can tell you in my past when I've been uncomfortable or not wanting to do something and then you just genuinely pray about it and put it before him. Uh, that has a way of softening our hearts and kind of bringing about circumstances and people to our lives that become an on-ramp to, again, maybe just dip your toe in, try something online, then try an in-person, then go to a small group, then get back. You know, there's a pathway there. So I, I think we agree, or, you know, maybe just to say it another way, we the idea is movement, right? Like we want to see people moving towards Jesus, not away, because there really isn't, there really isn't static. It's either you're moving towards or you're moving away. What are you doing today to move towards uh, Christ? And if he values the church as we've just articulated, then it follows you should be moving towards church, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, somebody who's been hurt, they know now, unfortunately, the potential, that there's, that there is danger, even within the church, as wishes, as much as I wish that wasn't true, it is. So to reconnect, that's risky, you know? But I would say it's ultimately worth it. As long as you stay in your comfort zone and behind the wall and in the bubble, you simply cannot grow. Mm. Uh, So you might be protected, but you also are stagnant. You're not going to Mm. move forward relationship with Jesus if you don't take that risk.
0: That's good. Yeah, and kind of moving into where we'll wrap it up today, I uh, I heard a quote from a, a dear friend of mine in my past when I was going through some stuff, and, and she shared with me this quote that I think segues well into this last piece, and she just said to me, she said, Kurt, there, there's no perfect churches because there are no perfect people, and it was just one of those conversations that for me was a mile marker on my faith journey i was back in my early 20s i was pretty naive and i think for you and i again my 18 years as a youth pastor you as a pastor um, we kind of have to end this discussion with this for you and i it's a duh statement but for a lot of people listening it's maybe eye-opening and a reminder that you and i are both human you and i are both christ followers ourselves and we too as pastors have been hurt by people. And I think a lot of times people forget that aspect for some reason. And I always hated, uh, you know, the churches I worked at were for the most part, pretty outward focused, uh, pretty not old school, we'll call it new school. Um, and and yet there was always this challenge of people put you on this pedestal right like i wanted to connect with students more than anything in the world i wanted to be in their world bringing my motto was always bringing jesus to where they are don't don't ask students to come into our world we walk into theirs so it's this missional idea of i'm showing up in the teens world um And I just feel like at times, students and parents, staff people would always put you up on this pedestal. It's like you, oh, you're the youth pastor, right? Pastor Kurt. And, you know, they talk differently and they don't say certain words and they don't talk about, you know, the real stuff in their life. There was kind of this, this mask and they put you on this pedestal. And the problem with a pedestal, you think, you know, you know where I'm going with this is when people put you on a pedestal right? The, you can fall off that pedestal. It's like, even if you didn't build it, a lot of pastors build it. Let's be real too. There's a lot of prideful oh, yeah. celebrity celebrity driven pastors who build their pedestal, build their influence to this high level. And then something happens. They get caught saying something on an open mic or they get caught doing whatever, you know, some sort of thing that's bad. And then they fall off that pedestal and the community turns against them. The gathering is done with that guy And so I don't know, again, how comfortable you're sharing, Todd. I know you're in a church right now, but how have you been hurt as a pastor by people? How have you been, just like all these comments that were written on your Facebook page, you've been hurt yourself as a pastor? Yeah, I mean, first of all,
1: I would just say, yes, you're right in terms of people put pastors in this category where they have these Often unrealistic expectations that they don't have of anyone else. It's yeah. something I've noticed when I call uh, our first-time guests. Sometimes, you know, they're watching Monday Night Football in the bar, and I hear it in the background on, on the phone. And then when they, when I identify myself, then they're like, "Oh yes, I was just sitting here meditating on this from <laughs> <laughs> yesterday." I'm like, "No, you're not. <laughs> Come on, I, I can hear what you're doing." Yeah. Uh, and the other way it cuts is in the treatment of of the pastor or the other staff in terms of they're treated like an entity, you know, or a political uh, thing rather than a person with feelings. Right. Um, and I think and that extends out to, to the family and, and everything as well. And so I think if we lose sight of both of those things, that these are imperfect people and they get hurt too, then it's easy for them to get hurt just like everybody else. And then unfortunately, you've got some people in ministry that maybe aren't really emotionally intelligent, and so then they're going to respond to that by lashing out and hurting others, Um, Mm. so.
0: Yeah, and just capping that, I mean, I, I related so much to what you said earlier about talking, you encouraging people to talk before you leave, because that was one of the most hurtful things to me, which is, it sounds like I'm, you know, I mean, this is years removed now, so it's not something fresh, but it's like, when uh, I find out that a family, I'm like, oh, it's been a few weeks. I haven't seen, you know, fill in the blank, Joe, that's not the real name, but like, you know, I haven't seen Joe in the youth group and you go to one of the volunteers and they're like, oh yeah, their family left the church and you do some more digging. And it's like, oh, they, they, they left because of me. They left because of a, a decision I made or something that I said to the, you know, a joke I made or something that happened. Right. And they, never talked to me about it they talked to everybody else and they left the church and that is so hurtful because of exactly what you said of like if they only if they had just come to me when it was fresh and i could sit across from them and with true emotion genuinely apologize or help them better understand where i was coming from it could have saved that whole painful separation right and i think that people do that and i saw that in some of the comments on your your facebook comments and some of the stuff that that we talked about leading up to this is just so many of the expectations people have and they're they're wounded in quotes by are things that they the pastors have no idea that there was that expectation right like you can't you can't meet an expectation that no one's ever communicated to you and that's where a lot of people get wounded i think of you know, whether it's leaving the church or the the bedside thing, you know, where I was in the hospital and no one from the church called, no one from the church showed up. Like that's always a common one, right? I've heard that in my family. And I'm like, how would they know you were sick? Did you tell them, did anybody phone the church and say, hey, my daughter, my friend, you know, of course, if you did that, and they literally blow you off, then that's, you know, another story. But I find a lot of times, people just assume, you're you're supposed to know I'm in the hospital, you're supposed to know I'm going through financial uh, tough times. And, And you're supposed to come like on a white horse, you know, through the woods to my need. And it's like, I mean, would you agree that as a lot of times as a pastor, you just, you can't meet the needs you're unaware of and you can't meet everyone's needs either all the time.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. And, um, that wound that people have gets amplified when they don't hear from anybody. It starts Mm -hmm. out a little hurt and it grows bigger and bigger. And so one thing that we've done is About once a month, at least, we'll announce or kind of have in our our bulletin type thing, uh, hey, we're going to do our best to stay on top of all your Facebook comments and things like that, but let us know when something happens. And we're continually reminding our group leaders, hey, let us know. We don't assume that we know. Uh, The other side of that, I would say, is that I heard actually a lot from people on my Facebook poll as well, is I left and nobody contacted me, you know, that I never felt missed or valued or loved. And I think churches are largely to blame for that because most churches have built fantastic processes and systems for following up with guests. They have zero systems for following up with absent attenders. So we've Mm. tried to be very intentional about building systems to hopefully catch when people are two weeks and three weeks and four weeks absent so that we can begin to follow up with them and hopefully keep anybody from falling through the cracks. They might still leave, but they'll know we missed them and they'll know we loved them.
0: Right, and they can't say that they can't spread it around that like no one contacted me, no, somebody actually did, and we had a conversation like right, it just seems like uh seems like a no brainer well, as we end, I just kind of want to say, you know, I think the encouragement that I would give to our audience again, just kind of again summarizing it is be you know it's kind of a Gandhi statement here, but you know, be the change you want to see in the church you know, don't give up on the church. Don't leave and never come back. Don't leave and pass gossip around or be frustrated. If you see a problem, if you see something that's frustrating you, get in there, get involved. And if it's a healthy environment, as Todd was saying, they're going to welcome it. They're going to bring you in. They're going to want to have a conversation about it. They're going to want to put you in a position to solve whatever issues or, you know, imperfections that can be solved through human intervention then get after it you know help us help us as pastors make the church a stronger place because with you engaged with you involved we are a stronger and healthier body of christ so that's something that you want the church to be life-giving you want it to be a place that's not wounding people Contribute to that end. Let's be a part of that community. Give what you can to make that community something that other people, your neighbors, your family, will be drawn to. And so, Todd, as we wrap things up, I just want to say thank you. I love you and your wife. You guys are doing some awesome things down there in Mississippi. And I just appreciate your wisdom and hope to have you and possibly Aaron back on sometime in the future.
1: That's great. Thanks for the opportunity. I really enjoyed talking with you.
0: Well, I so enjoyed that chat with Todd Stevens, and if you want to hear more from him, you can go to his church's website at mtvchurch.com. No, they are not affiliated with the music television network, unfortunately, but uh, it's pretty easy to remember that, mtvchurch.com. You can hear messages from Todd on there and just kind of see what he's doing, the ministry down there in Mount Vernon, Mississippi. We say it every time, but it bears repeating. If you like what you heard today, be sure and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. As always, we hope you enjoyed this and all of our episodes on the Cultured Christian Podcast. Please join the conversation on our Reddit. Also like and interact with us on our Instagram and Facebook page. Lastly, if you have feedback or topic ideas, email us at culturedchristians@gmail.com, at gmail.com or share them via text or voicemail at 810-207-5717. And we'll see you in the next one.